Hi, welcome to Film Nerds. I'm your host, James, and joining with me is none other than Herman. Pleasure to be here. You know, uh, as of the day of this recording, is Mother's Day. Um, of course, that, that's not going to be the case by the time this video comes out, but uh, I guess I'll say happy related <laughs> Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, even though this this video has nothing to do with mothers, just want to throw that out there before we get started. Um, but as y'all can tell by the title of the video, we, we are talking about Marvel and DC. Um, in, in, well, in 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 terms of the cinematic universe. So, I guess to kick things off. Let's start with Marvel. And, well, no. Let's go DC. Okay. No. And, and, why uh, do you feel like DC has, has had that success as uh, Marvel has, you know, in the last, what, 12, 10 years? Well, first of all, I think DC has had some success. They've had they've had some victories. I mean, the Christopher Nolan trilogy. I think Man of Steel was a good movie. Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, of course, Joker. They've had some victories, but they've had some severe missteps when it came to building their universe. And I and <clears throat> I think, in my opinion, their biggest issue really came from the studio itself. It came from the people that were that were running it. Um, because before Walter Hamada took over, um, I forget the gentleman's name that ran it before, but there were there were a ton of complaints about him. Uh it seemed very clear that he only cared about uh money as opposed to putting as a as opposed to putting a good product on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's the fact that uh you know, the studio clash with Zack Snyder. Now, did I 100% agree with Zack Snyder's vision? No, I didn't. But I would have much rather seen his completed vision, what he originally intended people to see, as opposed to cutting him off and then bringing someone else in and then clashing Zack Snyder's vision with Joss Whedon's vision. And it just, it just, because going back and looking at some of these movies, Batman v Superman is not that bad to me. I it's it's it it has uh it has a lot of redeeming qualities to me. I think that uh for instance, I think that um I think that Ben Affleck's Batman is is very well done. I think he I think he does a good Bruce Wayne, excellent Batman. I thought Jeremy Irons Alfred was grossly underrated. I really wanted to see more of him. And it's kind of a shame that we won't get to see his Alfred anymore. Um so, although I'm looking forward to seeing what Andy Serkis does with it later on, but yeah, there are a lot of redeeming qualities, but there were a lot of flaws in it, and I just think that I think that the biggest issue with DC as to why, in terms of films, they're not as successful as Marvel is just lack of organization, too many too many hands in the pot, too many cooks in the kitchen, and you know at the time. They just had somebody in charge that didn't care about a good product. He only mm-hmm. cared about the bottom line and the dollar. Now, thankfully, 
they have somebody in charge in the form of Walter Hamada who does care about putting a good product on the screen. Because as soon as Walter Hamada took over, that's when we got Aquaman. That's when we got Shazam. That's when we got Wonder Woman. That's when we got the, these movies, these, these, and Joker. So these successful movies started coming out when Walter Hamada took over because Walter Hamada is more organized. And I look forward to the other DC movies that they have uh, coming out later on. And so I think that DC has positioned themselves to where they will have more success now because they've had, because they've left a good taste in the viewer's mouth. I mean, Birds of Prey was all right, but bottom line is their movies from here, like here lately, their movies from from Wonder Woman on have been successes. And it, and another thing that I think will play into their success is they don't seem to, uh, it seems like they're doing what they want to do in terms of like, they're not concerned about a shared universe. Marvel has their shared universe. They have the MCU. So all of their movies have to tie into the into the MCU. That can also be to Marvel's detriment. And, and I, you know, we can get into that later on. But Marvel has their MCU, their shared universe. DC started off with a shared universe. Now it seems like they don't, they're not really concerned about it anymore. Um, Joker's not in the DCEU. Uh, this new Batman movie that's supposed to come out next year, I don't know if it's going to be in the DCEU. Um, there are rumors that it might. I don't know. But it seems like they're not concerned about that. They're just concerned about, um, you know, making a good movie. And what's happening is because they're concerned about a good movie as opposed to tying it into a shared universe. Now you're having a situation in which the director of Shazam can do what he wants to do. Uh, the directors and producers of, the, of Joker, they did what they wanted to do with the project. They did what they wanted to do with the characters in the story. They weren't tied and constrained to an overall narrative. They could do what they wanted to do. And so because you gave them that freedom and you didn't constrain them, you didn't restrict them, you let them do what they want to do, now we have success. Because, once again, another reason why uh, the, the past DCEU movies weren't that good, reason why Suicide Squad was not that good, it's not because the director's a flawed director. He's gone on, he has gone on record in multiple interviews. He said the movie that was released was not the movie that I wanted to make. But the studio came in, they interfered, they put their hands on his project, they started tearing things up. And as a result, the movie that we got is not the movie that he wanted to do. You let those directors, within reason, have their creative freedom. And so now we're having successes with DC. So, you know, back to the main point, I think that, you know, the biggest issue that DC had was lack of organization and too many cooks in the kitchen. But I, now I think they're starting to straighten and iron themselves out. And I think that they're setting themselves up for success down the line because their concern, it seemed, at least to me, it looks like their concern and their primary, obje primary objective now is making the best possible movie they can for right now. And then it's one movie at a time. And I think if they keep on with that type of perspective, they're going to continue to have success down the line. Yeah, because I feel like, I feel like, like, like I kind of feel like DC doesn't have a, well, one of the reasons why they haven't been so successful like, like Marvel is because I don't think they had a 
clear goal in mind or where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Like to me, uh, it just felt like well, Marvel is doing this and they're making money. We have to capitalize mm-hmm. and do what they're doing. You know, what? But they, they they try to do what they're doing without understanding how and what they did to for them to get to that point. You mm-hmm. know, because we look at the uh, like the um, the, um, the Marvel universe. Uh, every character, you know, of course, was introduced and built up, and the story was uh, expanded upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get that in in over the um um in DC. You know, mm-hmm. we, we got Man of Steel. Also, we got Wonder Woman. No, wait, Wonder Woman came after. So after, you, you after Man of Steel, then you have Batman v Superman. Yeah, Wonder Woman came after that. Um, yeah, so like, it, like it felt like they just you know. Sorry, throwing things together just to say yes, we have a shared universe too. You know, but they wasn't they didn't do anything to polish to and establish the universe before they started creating a shared universe. You know, it's like, oh well we have all the characters, we just go throw all the introduce all the characters, you know, into one movie and you know, call it a day. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we and by the time we got to do Justice League everything falls apart because now we have the characters that no one no one will ideally we care about mm-hmm. but in regards to the universe we don't care about because we don't know anything about these characters yeah and, and to and to expound upon your point uh the mcu's version of some of these characters so some of the mcu some of the marvel superheroes that are in the, are, that are in the mcu they're not um they're not identical to their comic counterparts. They're mm-hmm. not the same. Some of them are very, very different. This Spider-Man that we have in MCU is not the same as uh, the, the comic version of Peter Parker. Uh, this version of Captain America is different. This version of Tony Stark is different. They, they, they have differences. But what one of, one of Marvel's best strengths was the fact that they allowed the audience to... Uh, to your point, as you were saying, by introducing the characters, expounding upon the characters, you let the audience get to know the characters. Mm-hmm. You let the audience decide whether or not they like this character, grow attached to the character, and then you put them in that ensemble film. I don't think that Ezra Miller's a bad Flash, but I think that if you gave him his stand his own standalone film, let the audience really, really uh, get used to him, see him in action, really see what he can do. Not just little cameo scenes and other movies, but actually give him a full mm-hmm. film with a narrative so and, and, and the characterization so that fans of the comics can look at this version of the Flash and be like, okay, I see what you're doing. It may not be the comic version that I'm used to, but I see what you're doing here. You give them a movie. Let them let them decide whether or not they want to board that train with this character. See, and that's something that Marvel did that DC didn't, and that's one of the biggest reasons why their Justice League did not work. Superman got his own movie. Batman, as great as Ben Affleck was, and he was great, Batman was shoved into a movie he didn't need to be in. The Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, they all got cameos and they were shoved into this movie. And a a movie that was actually supposed to be a sequel to Mm -hmm. Man of Steel that ended up, that, that turned into some convoluted this this big convoluted uh, team up movie that didn't work because once again 
you have to let the audience see these characters. You have to expound upon these characters. You have to give these characters some type of footing, some type of foundation before you put them together with somebody else. And that's one of the strengths, that's one of Marvel's strengths that mm-hmm. DC clearly, I'm not going to say they didn't understand it. I'm going to say they thought that they could skip it. They thought they could skip that step. And that's, no. You yeah. just, just because just because you put a lightning bolt on his chest doesn't mean everybody's going to like that flash. Just because you put a trident in his hand doesn't mean we're going to like that Aquaman. You have to let the audience get acclimated and decide whether they do that. And you do that with standalone films. And <clears throat> my final point, some characters don't necessarily need standalone films. Black Widow didn't get hers until now. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye don't need one. Certain characters, you know, in, in DC, certain characters don't need it. Um, their, their main six or their main five, I forget how many members of the Justice League are, those core members, they do need their own standalone films. Yeah. Because these, those, those are big DC characters, and they need their own films. But if you wanted to enter, like, Cyborg doesn't need his own movie. You can, Cyborg can piggyback off of somebody else. Like what they've been doing with the Hulk, you can you you, you can build his narrative within someone else's movie. But uh, bottom line, I don't. I'm not gonna say that they didn't understand what what, what Marvel was doing. They were impatient. They wanted to they reap catch the, up. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to reap the rewards that Marvel was was raking in at the time, mm-hmm. but they wanted to skip the hard work and they wanted to skip the the, the time and, and, and the effort that it took for Marvel to get there. Yeah, They wanted to skip that and jump to the finish line without running a race and it doesn't work like that. And they crashed and burned. Now they've, you know, they've got their own rhythm going, which is cool. Now they have their own rhythm going. And I, and I, and I look forward to the movie that they're going to put out in the future. But yeah, no, you, you look at Marvel, Marvel had a plan and they, they followed through with that plan. And, you know, they had a lot of trial and error. Let's not forget, Kevin Feige was a producer on that daggone Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. There's trial mm-hmm. and error. Yeah. But they learned their lesson and they and they, they they built and built and built and built. And the success came from being patient, looking at the big picture, and then, you know, measuring three times, cutting once. Because that's, that's how Kevin Feige is. And that's not what DC did. Yeah. Because, um... <laughs> I stated with the whole um, trial and error thing with Marvel, like Marvel didn't automatically start and, and like through through the whole tease the whole future in like in one movie. Mm-hmm. Of course, we got that in Iron Man, mm-hmm. but but for Iron Man, it was the Incredible Hulk, you know, Daredevil, uh, Elektra, you know, I, and none of the movies really teased, you know, future pop future. Uh, movies in a shared universe, so to say, why not? You know, and I feel like not only DC but with a whole lot of other um, studios trying to come up with their own Marvel, you know, type universe is mm-hmm. they have this movie, and the whole purpose of this movie is to create a universe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, and and actually, you know, I think that's um to speak on that, I think that might be that that may be one of Marvel's weaknesses to me. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that I didn't like, and this is this is something I don't like about Marvel. 
really is two things. Um, some movies that they make, the really it, it feels like I'm not saying that this is what it is, but it just feels like the purpose of this movie is just to drive the overall MCU narrative forward. Basically, mm-hmm. all it is is filler uh, for the movie that'll come out next year. And that's not satisfying as a viewer, because if I'm going to buy a ticket, I want to enjoy the experience. I don't want to just sit there and just feel indifferent about the movie. And literally, the only reason why I'm sitting in the theater is just for the cutscene at the very end. That's, mm. that's, that's not... I, I, want, I, I want to have a complete movie experience. I want to have a movie that has a solid beginning, middle, and end. And while... And I want that end credit scene. Let that be the dessert. That's great. That's cool that you have it. But I want to enjoy the film that I came here to see. Be satisfied with what I came to see. And then let the end credit scene be the cherry on top. Don't don't you know make me sit through something that's that's not worth my time or money just for this end credit scene. Yeah. And there are a couple of MCU movies that fit that bill. Thor the Dark World is mm-hmm. one. Um, I'm gonna say that Ant Man and the Wasp is one. I think that Iron Man Two is one. Um, and and the thing about some of these movies, and earlier when I said that the MCU having that shared universe it could be to their detriment. This is why because. John Favreau, when he first made Iron Man, the first Iron Man, wonderful movie, great movie. Paramount was pressuring him because they wanted another one. We need another Iron Man. We need another Iron Man. So Favreau was like, okay, I'm going to work on it. Favreau's, Favreau and those producers' original vision for Iron Man is not what we got. Mm-hmm. Um... His version of Iron Man 2, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as concise as possible. He was going to show a flawed Tony Stark that, uh, and, he, and he was also going to show that Tony Stark's father was flawed. He was going to uh, show a Tony Stark that wanted to change what, and learn from the mistakes uh, of, his own, of his father's own selfishness and greed. Some of that was shown but it wasn't expounded upon in the film because that's not what kept that's not what Kevin Feige and that's not what Marvel wanted. Marvel wanted an action movie, an action-oriented movie that could get us over the hump to the next thing. That's what they wanted because they, they needed this movie to serve the overall MCU plot. That's what they needed. Mm-hmm. Which is why uh, when you look at Iron Man 2, when Nick Fury comes in. And literally, the only reason why Nick Fury is there is just for exposition dumps. So he comes in, he sits with Tony Stark. He's like, oh, well, Anton Vanko, uh, he just has this one line drop where it's like, um, yeah, Anton Vanko was trying to steal ideas from your dad. So your dad had him deported. The entire beginning of the film, Mickey Rourke's character, his his Vanko was was the other side of the coin for uh, Tony Stark. But it shows that. What they wanted to do was like every action has a consequence, and because of the consequences of your father's actions, you ruin someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to see that. I wanted to see Tony Stark really go up against Anton Vanko, and Anton Vanko bring him to task because one of the it was great the scene where Tony Stark and uh, and uh, Van and, and Vanko sitting in that prison room, and Tony Stark comes to see him. And Vanko basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, you think that just because you had a you had a change of heart and you blew up a couple of bombs, 
that that's going to make up for the years and years and years of destruction and ruin that your family has caused, has brought down upon other people. You think that just because you did this little thing here, that's going to just automatically fix everything. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see that narrative expounded upon. That's what John Favreau wanted to do. But they didn't let him because they're a slave. This is a little, a little tough, but in many ways, they're a slave to that overall MCU narrative. Yeah. And I would have dragged and pulled away from that narrative that they're that they're trying to be focused on. So, because yeah. I also see them uh, open up a lot more about uh, doing those type of things as as see with Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, and you know the, the little that on Marvel movies they're, whatnot. Yeah, they're definitely learning from their mistakes. Yeah. No, because you know, because in 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 the beginning, yes, uh, Marvel universe. They came off very uh, 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 and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it was no like they, they, it wasn't no death to no, you know. It was just action movies, the movies to get you to the next movie, you yep. know. But like, I am glad that they are, for the most part, going away from that formula mm-hmm. and allowing <clears throat> um, directors, for the most part, to be a little more creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they still have to stick by, you know, <laughs> certain guidelines, but I feel like they, they do have a lot more leeway to mm-hmm. uh, expand upon different story elements, character um, uh, elements in the movies, you know? Yeah, and, and, and something, that's something that I'm starting to see DC do, mm-hmm. because I noticed, and I'm going to use this as an example, when James Gunn signed on to do their, ver- to do their Suicide Squad movie. Now, um, when James Gunn was initially fired from Disney, Warner, there were a lot of studios that wanted him. Mm-hmm. I think Paramount wanted him to do a Star Trek movie. Uh, Universal wanted him to do something for him. He he was in high demand because he took that red, he took that unknown property in Marvel mm-hmm. and turned it into a certified hit in Guardians of the Galaxy. So they're like, oh, we want you to do our space movies. Uh, and so DC came to him and they're like, you know, we want you. And he signed on. He was like, okay, I want to do Suicide Squad and I want full creative control. I don't want any studio interference. You need to let me make my movie. And if you want me to come on, those are my terms. Warner Brothers agreed. They were like, because mm-hmm. Walter Hamada was now in charge. And he was like, done deal. Do what you want to do with it. And what I'm noticing about DC, they're not afraid to make the R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I'm not saying make an R-rated movie just for the sake of making yeah. an R-rated movie. Don't don't just sit up here and throw in arbitrary boobs in the F-word just because, oh, we want to make it R because that's going to that's gonna go. No. Yeah. If you have a legitimate reason to make the movie R, make the movie R. Like, for instance, the Joker movie, you had a legitimate reason. Yeah. Birds of Prey, you had a legitimate reason. For Suicide Squad, it should have been rated off. <laughs> it should have been because of the subject matter. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, this Suicide Squad movie may be rated off because James Gunn realizes what he's what he's dealing with. But but the overall point is DC is letting their directors do their thing. And Marvel, <clears throat> to a certain extent, they're doing that too. Because... Mm-hmm. I'm especially with Black Panther, uh, allowing Ryan Coogler to include certain 
real life modern uh, political elements be in that movie and how they worked. Um, it's hit and miss sometimes. It, 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 uh, doesn't always work, but allowing the directors to do what they want to do to a certain extent is a good thing. Marvel is letting them do that. They, they still are keeping these directors under a leash, but it's not as tight a leash as it, it was, was some years ago. So, yeah. And I do hope that Marvel continues down that path, you know. Even though I, I do understand why they keep that leash, you know, because they're, they're trying to tell uh, a certain story or uh, at least a certain journey, a storyline. And, and considering that you're all using different directors, uh, I can understand why you had to you know, like tell, hey, you know, this is where we're going, whatnot. Uh, this is what, you know, people like to have done, you know. But um, with DC, like, to me, I feel like now they're going with a route, but did not, like I said before, did not doing a shared universe, so to say. You know, it's just collective movies. And uh, I can dig that. Uh, just as long as you don't come along that line and try to <laughs> create a universe, you know, and put pieces together and now leave everybody like, okay, I thought, you know, this is this and this is that, you know. Yeah. Uh, as long as they, you know, going about with the, uh, with the knowledge that, okay, it's not really an extended universe, mm-hmm. but it's just a collection of movies. I think, I think uh, um, it's, a, it's, it's a little retconny, but I think something that DC may try to do uh, with their Flash movie, mm-hmm. I think they may try to flashpoint it. And what I mean is, <laughs> they may try to use the, the, the Flash's ability to fix their because otherwise they're pulling eight days to push the pass. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I, I read an article that apparently uh, DC, I didn't know that a Supergirl movie was in the works, but apparently one mm-hmm. was. But mm-hmm. they have. Uh, they have shifted their focus. They're no longer focused on Supergirl, and they're going back to Superman. So they want to they make a Superman movie. Because one thing, uh, a lot of people didn't like this part, um, was how dark uh, Zack Snyder's version of Superman was. Mm-hmm. I understood why he went that route. I don't think his Superman was dark. I think his Superman was realistic. Um, you're talking, you're talking about an alien in today's society with the powers that he has. And I think that Zack Snyder was, and this is, I don't normally pay Zack Snyder too many compliments. He has angered me with, with his vision, but I will give him his due credit. I think he was building up to the more positive version of Superman. Mm-hmm. I think he was getting there. He was going to get you there, but... You, but what I, and, and I appreciate about what I, I appreciate this about Zack Snyder. He wasn't just going to give it to you. This isn't Christopher Reeve's Superman of the 1970s. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to automatically fly into a city and everybody's just going to accept you because you're wearing a bright suit and you have all these powers. No, there's trial and error. There, people are going to look at you strange. The government is automatically going to view you as a threat, which is exactly what happened. There's going to be collateral damage. People are going to die, especially when you're going up against somebody that has the same powers as you, and they don't care about life. So what 
I give him his due credit for what he did in Man of Steel. And I, th I thought that it was completely unfair that people bad-mouthed his Superman movie and came down on his Superman movie, but we gave the Avengers movie a pass. Like, them aliens didn't kill, didn't kill hundreds and uh, thousands upon thousands of people in that final battle in New York. Like, New York, way more damaged than Metropolis. I mean, let's, let, let's, let's, let, let's, let's be real. Um, so I, I thought that it was, I thought that it was unfair, the level of criticism that was leveled against him for his Superman movie. I thought his Man of Steel was a very good Superman movie. He did things with Superman that just, just, just were not done before and were beautifully done. He's a very visual director. Taking taking the audience to Krypton to see what Krypton looked like before was destroyed. His version of General Zod not being concerned about uh, people worshiping him, but the only thing he cared about was the preservation of his of his people. Because you know that that old saying, every villain is the hero of their own story. Zod genuinely thought he was doing a good thing. Uh, his version of Clark Kent, his version of Lois Lane, I, I liked. Everything that he did in this Superman movie. And again, to get to that central point, he was going to get you there, at least in my opinion. I think he was going to get you to that brighter, more optimistic, like all-star Superman that everybody loves. He was going to get you there, but he's showing you the journey, like the, like, like the journey that, that, that this person takes in order to get to that point of of uh belovedness and 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 you know everybody loves me and okay i'm gonna show you how he gets there so i appreciated that about uh zach snyder's vision is just you know he just he, he got a, he, he got a lot of he was criticized a lot about it you know yeah um in that regards i can i can I can see where we're going, and I would I would agree, um, on in the same point where it's like you don't want to. I I, I, I well as a writer and a director, I I can understand you know well, especially using uh characters from from another from another property that you should, you should like like you don't want to give give everybody you know the finished product up front you know because mm -hmm. like it's it's all about that that character arc, you know, mm -hmm. like he's not Superman in, in the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, he he has become Superman. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like as in uh, um, look at um in um Christian Nolan movies, like he doesn't start off as the Dark Knight. You know, mm -hmm. or he he later becomes the Dark Knight. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's all about that 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 journey that takes you from learning on like. Becoming the the guy that everyone knows him to be, you know, like in in that regards, like I I could get that, you know. Just unfortunately, we got Batman vs Superman as a sequel, you know, yeah. which kind of uh uh ruined everything that he may have been trying to do with the character, you know. Yeah, I think that I think and 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 just to just to touch on this. Because Batman v Superman is where Zack Snyder lost me. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, why 
are you taking a middle-aged version of Batman <laughs> in order to start the Justice League with? Yes. And I and, and I always had that issue. I understand that you love the Dark Knight Returns version of Batman. It's 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 great. It's mm-hmm. one of the greatest Batman stories ever written. Frank Miller is a genius for it. Wonderful. But that version of Batman, you don't build a universe around that version of the Batman. Yeah. You don't you don't do that. And 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 I say that for multiple reasons. Number one, that Batman is an Elseworlds story. That that is not in the main continuity of the DC universe. That is, that is an Elseworlds version of Batman, which is why he has the Carrie Kelly Robin and, and 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 all this other. Frank Miller has stated that's an Elseworlds Batman. That's not in main continuity. That is a possible future, which makes it Elseworlds. Number two, from a studio standpoint, we're talking about franchising, multiple movies, mm-hmm. three, four, five, six, seven movies. And you're asking me as the studio to put this on the shoulders of somebody who's roughly, who's already 44, 45, and we yeah. haven't even begun shooting the movie yet. I don't know how old um, Ben Affleck was when it started. I want to say he was maybe 42, 43, something like that. Something like that. Somewhere in that ballpark. That's still very old. You're talking about a movie that takes a minimum of a year to get the principal photography and the core shooting done. So it could take any, and that's, that's, that's in, in my honest opinion, I think that's a good timeline. That's a, that's a productive timeline mm-hmm. for a big budget superhero film. You get a full year to do your principal photography, your core shooting, and then, uh, then you can get on to editing, which could take up to a year in and of itself. Yeah. And then before you can even begin shooting, you have uh, costume preparation, uh, makeup, uh, set designs, uh, booking, Booking locations, all of this, you, all of this, you already know as, as being a filmmaker yourself. So much goes into this before before an actor even steps on set and shoots a scene. Yeah, and you want to build this on a 42, 43 year old man. Yeah, he's forty seven uh, right now. So that was back in two thousand what sixteen. Batman v Superman was twenty sixteen, which means they probably hired him. To be Batman, I'd say 2014. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, roughly like, I don't know, 40, 43, 43, something like that. Yeah, no, that's not smart. Okay? I can't, as a student, because, because look, by the time we're finished with the first movie, he's going to be like 45. Okay? And we're trying to build multiple movies around this. That, that's not, that's not smart. No. He's going to age. I need, I need somebody. That's why, uh, that's why people can't stand it, but I give Sony their due credit for hiring Tom Holland to play Nathan Drake because they're like, we're trying to build a franchise around this. He's young. He's yeah. like 22, 23 years old. We can we can get multiple movies out of him. and uh, We can't do that with a Ben Affleck. So why you would use that version, it's like, or, or something about Christopher Nolan's Batman, his version of Batman was an amalgam of multiple versions. He borrowed elements from from different stories. He borrowed from the Long Halloween. He borrowed from No Man's Land. He borrowed from The Dark Knight Returns. He borrowed from The Killing Joke in order to create his Batman universe. You could have did that, but to just take this version, yeah, I was that that like I said to get to the to, to get back to the main point. That's when me and and Zach kind of went like this, and we split because I was like, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. 
and especially um on looking at it from a as a Batman character standpoint, why would you take a aging Batman mm-hmm. and put him on a team of gods? You know, and now you you want him to pretty much stand out in a room with gods, you know. And uh, it's it'll be hard, like like everyone was looking like, okay, what can you do? You know, yeah. like you you're not the same Batman as he was in the beginning. You know, that's why I'm very much looking forward to this upcoming Batman movie, Matt Ryan's version, mm-hmm. because what Matt Ryan has consistently been saying about his version of Batman, he's saying I'm going to focus on Batman as a detective. I'm going to focus on his intelligence. I'm not going to focus on his gadgets. I'm not going to focus on a bunch of, 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 that's not to say you're not going to see him fight, but the main focus of his Batman is going to be showing Batman's skills as a detective. Because to your point, putting him on a team of gods at his age, he has to be able to bring something to the table Mm -hmm. other than money, which is, it it felt like that's all he was bringing to the table. Batman as a Justice League member, he's arguably the most intelligent member on the team. He has contingency plans for everybody. He's the only human, and yet everyone fears him because Mm -hmm. of his mind. That was never conveyed on the screen with Ben Affleck's Batman. And I love Ben Affleck's Batman, but that wasn't conveyed. Yeah. This is like, in, 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 um, like, he doesn't have, he doesn't, there's nothing about him that makes, like, Everybody else like, oh, go, oh, wow, wow, this is Batman. You know, we should respect and fear this guy, mm-hmm. and he, he, he belongs to be a part of us. You know, there's nothing that uh, he do or, or, or portrays that allows them to receive him as such a threat. Yeah. You know, yes, he's brutal, whatnot, but he's only... Brutal to you know. So a marine that's had a couple of drinks in his system. My, my, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you look. You look on the. You, you look. You look on the flip side with Marvel, with their individual films. You see why Captain America is the leader of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. He, he has that ability to lead people. You saw that with the first Captain America movie. You see why Iron Man is on the team because it's, it's not just because Iron Man provides the money. It's because of his mind. He's one of the most intelligent minds on the planet. You see why he's there. You see why Thor is here. His brother was a threat to Earth, and he came in order to stop his brother. And as a result, he joined that team because he couldn't do it by himself. And the point I'm trying to make is Kevin Feige and Joss Whedon organically put that team together, and, and they, they all had a reason. They all needed one another. There's a reason why he's here. There's a reason why she's here. There's a reason why they're here. There's a reason why everybody had to come together. And it worked. It was cohesive. It meshed together. And everybody had a purpose. And that was not conveyed with the Justice League movie. I believe I believe Zack Snyder had a vision. Mm-hmm. I believe that in Zack Snyder's vision, all the characters had a purpose. I want to believe that. Which is why I hope his version of Justice League does get released on HBO Max. When HBO Max goes live, whenever that takes, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I hope that we get to see his vision realized. Um, but fact of the matter is, that's not what we got. Yeah. I also feel like 
it was doomed from the start. Like, like especially looking at 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 Batman feet of at Batman feet Superman, how he used the Dark Knight Returns storyline and Doomsday storyline, and we all know that Doomsday kills Superman. You know, mm-hmm. so already you killing Superman already, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like. You 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 introducing the, the league. How can you kill Superman? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Right. So to me, that didn't make no sense. Mm-hmm. So already I know in next movie he coming back somehow. Yeah. You know, and when he comes back, ah, uh, it, it feels like, like to me, it, it didn't feel like a Justice League team. Mm-hmm. It felt like Superman and the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, because pretty much he he comes back. Well, pretty much they're all like. We need Superman, you know. We can't do this without Superman, you know. Oh, Superman, we need Superman. Let's go revive Superman, you know. And like, and the whole put, put, only reason why, as of the Avengers, the reason they form a team is because by themselves, none of them is strong enough to def- stop the Force, you know, at, at hand. But in the in the in the movie, Superman pretty much does everything by himself, like. Why do we need to be on the team? Yeah, because I, the, the, you, you cheapened the death. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm going to use this as an example. DC's animated universe, the DCAU, mm-hmm. um, their universe, which just ended with uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which was a phenomenal movie. Like when I said, I paid the full twenty dollars for that movie. I did not want to buy it, mm-hmm. but it was worth every penny. The movie is like that, but. They built you to that point. First of all, this universe redid Death of Superman. They made a Death of Superman movie that came out, I want to say, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. But they built up to that because you're talking about over the course of 13 years and seven or eight movies where you got used to this version of Superman and this version of the Justice League. And then they did Death of Superman. And then they did Rise of the Superman, which was the sequel. Showing the multiple Superman that came up out of nowhere before the real Superman was resurrected. So they built to that point. Switch over to Marvel. Marvel, you have Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. You do the Avengers. You introduce the Guardians of the Galaxy. You intro- you, you you introduce uh, other uh, other movies, Ant Man, and, and and all these other characters. And then we get Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And then in Infinity War, after you've built this universe up after we've gotten Doctor Strange and Black Panther and Spider-Man and the Guardians and the core members and, and this, that, and the third, that's when you start killing people. And I'm going to be completely honest. When I walked out of the theater um, of Infinity War, I knew some of these characters were going to come back. I did not know if all of them were going to come back. And, I, and, and furthermore, I didn't know who. Mm-hmm. Was going to come back. I I felt I felt like well they got to bring Spider Man back because they just brought him in. You know he's 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 a breadwinner. He's a money maker. I know they they signed Tom Holland to the movie, and they got to bring Black Panther back because you know they just brought him into the MCU, and I know that they have plans for him, but I don't know. Maybe they might not. But I, 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 see, even though naturally common sense tells you Marvel's going to bring most of these characters back. Mm-hmm. They left that ambiguity because they built these characters 
up over the course of years. You don't know what is going to happen. I legitimately didn't know what Endgame was going to look like. I didn't know what was going to be in that movie. I didn't know how they were going to bring them back. I had no idea, and it made it so freaking exciting for Mm -hmm. me. There was literally, there was negative zero doubt in my mind that Superman was coming back in Justice League. (laughs) I had no doubt. He was coming back. That, That did nothing. That did absolutely nothing. Why you introduced Doomsday in this movie and killed him when we all know you're going to bring him back? Yeah. There was no point. You cheapened the death. It meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, what, Lois Lane is crying for nothing. His mother's crying for nothing. The funeral scene is for nothing because it means nothing. We know he's coming back. Now, if you did a Death of the Superman movie, maybe like, I'd say three, four, five films down the road if you decided we're going to do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But as your second movie, when literally the movie before is when you first introduced this Superman? No, that doesn't work. Yeah. That, that doesn't work. It, it, like, it, it makes no sense story-wise. You know, like, we haven't, well, especially as we we're talking about how he hasn't officially fully became Superman yeah. yet, like we could kill him before we 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 have we we even build a strong enough bond to him, mm-hmm. and like I like even even though I I, I never really been been a big Superman fan, I'm pretty sure you know in in the Death of Superman storyline, the whole world feels the effects of Superman because he he's an icon. In mm-hmm. the man is still a Batman fan, Superman, he hasn't yet. Um, reached that standpoint yet? Yeah, like he kind of, you kind of see him slowly becoming that, but he hasn't. He's not that 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 pillar of hope yet. And know? and and I noticed that that. And, here, and here's the thing about it. I saw that Zack Snyder was building towards that. Mm-hmm. There, there, the scene, the, the Superman had the statue, or Superman's going around the world saving people, or the family during the flood that looked up and saw Superman looking down at him. I saw that Zack Snyder was building towards that. I can mm-hmm. see it. That's why I want to see his his finished vision because I can see that. But his misstep, bringing in Doomsday and killing Superman, yeah. that's a monumental character. That's a monumental story that you could have used. That That is an ace in the hole that you could use later. Yeah. Like me, if I'm a... And, and I'm not a screenwriter. But if you had me in a room and you're like, okay, because here's the thing, if you used the DC characters right, you could crush Marvel if you used them correctly. Mm-hmm. You could make a Justice League movie and then make a couple of films and then make a Justice League 2. And then you could add the Death of Superman story in there. You could add Doomsday in there as a threat. Yeah, You could kill Superman at the end of a Justice League movie and it would have more impact, number one, because he's had multiple movies under his belt. He's been established. He has that foundation. He mm. built him. The fans now like him. And, 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 and another reason why I didn't agree with what he did in terms of Superman, beautiful thing about Iron Man, there is no actor who played him before Robert Downey Jr. Beautiful thing about Captain America, yeah, there was... I guess a TV movie or some or, or or a couple of things that came before. Yeah, but it'll count. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. Chris Evans is the face. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is the face. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is the face of Thor. Uh, 
Chadwick Boseman is the face of Black Panther. Brie Larson is the face of Captain Marvel. And even uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Granted, there were two that came before. Mm-hmm. But you introduced him in Civil War. He got his own solo movie. And then you brought him into Infinity War. And you didn't kill him until the very end. So he had two movies under his belt before uh, you killed him. And then, you know, of course you brought him back. but. My point is, with Superman, number one, he's arguably the most iconic superhero ever. Mm -hmm. He's the granddaddy of all superheroes. So that's number one. Number two, when you have somebody as iconic as a Christopher Reeves, who has played Superman before, for four movies, literally when people think about Superman, that man's face is what hits their heads. Yeah. And yeah, you had uh, the, the Brandon Ruth and the Superman Returns. But it's, yeah. Okay, no. With this, you have to establish him. You have to have that foundation. You have to let this Superman stand on his own. Mm-hmm. You gotta do that. It's imperative. And I, and Zack Snyder just, he, he didn't give, he didn't let the Superman have enough time to stick yeah. because Henry Cavill Literally looked like Superman ripped off of the comic page. I remember when they first released a, they released a, a still image of him in the Superman suit, and like he was break breaking out of a safe or something. And I was like, "Oh my God, he looks amazing! He looks phenomenal, Superman!" I couldn't wait to see him as Superman, but you didn't give him enough time to stick. Let that mm. image stick in the mind of the viewer so that we can get off the Christopher Reeve train for a mm-hmm. little bit and jump onto this one. Yeah, you didn't do that. And that's and, and 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 that was that 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 was a very big problem to me, killing him off in the second movie when we when you didn't give him enough time to shine. Iron Man had three movies before he got stabbed in the chest by Thanos. <laughs> Captain America had his solo film. He had Civil War, multiple other. You get Marvel gave their flagship characters the chance to shine before they temporarily brought them down. Yeah. You didn't do that with Superman, right? So, like, uh, it feels like DC was banking on the fact of, yes, he's a household name. We know Superman. We know uh, these characters that just just automatically could be a a uh, a connection to him. But no, like, like, even though yes, we 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 have a connection to Superman and Batman from the comics and from past movies, we don't have a connection with this Superman because this Superman, this Batman is not that Batman and Superman, you know, and so on, so on, so on. Like, so you still have to build up that character and because even though, like, everybody going to have the different uh, views and, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and interpretations of each character, you know, which makes these characters unique, you know, from movie to movie, from director to director, writer to writer, is to, is, as a, as a fan, the audience, to get to know this particular uh, creation of this same old character, you know, as you were saying with Matt Reeves on focusing on the intellect, intelligence on this Batman, which is something that we haven't really gotten in past, in past Batmans. Because with uh, 
Ben Affleck Batman, we get the more brutal, you know, Batman. With Christian Nolan, we get the we get the more uh the psychological standpoint of Batman, you know, and so on, so on, so on. You know, like it's it's actually like which is I guess it's a it's a not really a problem, but it becomes like like an issue we, we, we take characters from paper and turn into, you know, put on film. You 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 can't take every single aspect of of every character and you know and you know make a stick on film, sadly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but you can take something you can take the best parts. Yes. And what I like about the MCU is in my in my opinion, I think they took the best parts of the characters. Mm-hmm. And they did that they did their own thing with them, but they took the best parts. And I remember I, I heard somebody talk about this. What the MCU did is they they took the the Marvel characters and they didn't try to make the world fit around them. Mm-hmm. They took those characters and they brought them in our world and they made those characters fit in our world. They adapted them to our world. And then as we got more used to them, they got more experimental. Mm-hmm. The costumes got a little more colorful, got a little brighter. We got a, we got a little more out there. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy. Then we got Doctor Strange. They got a little more experimental. We have the uh, Eternals coming at the end of this year. But they were able to get there because they earned the audience trust, because they focused on characterization rather than grand scale and and, and mm-hmm. getting the money. They focused on the characters. And, 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 and on that standpoint, like how they took the characters and brought it into our world. So when we get to characters like Doctor Strange and how it's kind of strange, you know, <laughs> things that uh, he do and deals with the magic, like it, like it, it has to go back and reflects on us. Like, wow, how crazy is this for a guy like this living in our, our world? Mm-hmm. You know, so now we we can kind of put ourselves in the movies and mm-hmm. like into like the, uh, the other characters and uh, humans and stuff in the, in the world, yeah. looking at the stuff like, wow, this is nuts. You know, <laughs> yeah. like which goes back to how wonderful and. And a good job that they done with these movies, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives me hope for Marvel's future mm-hmm. as we as we move into Phase Four, uh, whenever we can get there <laughs> due to this whole coronavirus. Now I will, I will give DC this. I am looking forward to their future as well. Mm-hmm. Me too, because they do have a Justice League Dark coming to uh, HBO Max. They have a Green Lantern series coming to HBO Max. Both of these are live action. They do have the Batman movie coming. They have the Suicide Squad movie coming. They have Wonder Woman 2 coming at the end of this year. They have Aquaman 2 coming. They have Shazam 2 coming. And they have finally... Oh, they've been talking about this for years. They finally began production on their Black Adam movie with with Mm. The Rock. It, it was one of them things where it, it started to feel like an urban legend, like, <laughs> like Bigfoot, The Chronic, and Black Adam. All of these were projects that we that 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 have been discussed for years, and you know never came to fruition. But they have finally begun production. So, 
I'm very hopeful for DC's future. Um, and I think that DC has a bright future ahead of them. Number one, because of who they have in charge. They have they have a Kevin Feige figurehead in Walter Hamada who has a good head on his shoulders, very organized. And it feels like things are coming in succession and they're coming in order. And he's building his, he has his building blocks and brick by brick, he's trying to earn everybody's trust back in terms of DC. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because I will say this, on the TV side, DC has been owning it. I don't like all of their shows. Not a fan of Batwoman. Uh, Supergirl lost me. Uh, we ain't. We're not getting into Arrow. I like. <laughs> I like Black Lightning. I do. I haven't seen Star Girl yet. Um, but a lot of people like Star Girl. Uh, Titans is trash. But but Swamp Thing was uh Swamp Thing was good. Uh, what was the other one? There was um. The, uh, oh, um, 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 Patrol, Doom Patrol? Doom Patrol. Yeah. Doom Patrol was very good. Doom Patrol, man, that, that has some solid writing. Doom Patrol had some solid writing. I mean, that would, I was genuinely shocked by how good Doom Patrol was. And um, I believe they're working on the season two of, of Doom Patrol because for some reason they haven't dropped Titans yet. I don't know why. You need to let that go. You, you, you show sucks, but okay. You want to hold on to it? Listen, Doom Patrol is good. Uh, Black Lightning is good. Um, the Flash, I think, is still going strong. I I haven't been on it Neither, in a long time. Um, I I kind of gave up on the CW shows. I was uh, attempting to catch up on Arrow because uh, I started watching after season six. I think it was. So I, I watched season seven. I got about nine episodes in, and I'm like, you know what? I can't do this no more. No. <laughs> now, I will say this: switch back to Marvel. Marvel was competing heavy with their Netflix shows. I don't give a dang about Agents of Shield, but <laughs> with their with with their Marvel shows, mm -hmm. Daredevil remains the best superhero show I have ever seen. There is not, I, I can't think of a single live action superhero show that can touch Daredevil. Daredevil was phenomenal. Um, it was. The Punisher was good. I enjoyed both seasons mm -hmm. of The Punisher. I enjoyed the first half of the first season of Luke Cage and a little bit of season two. I could not get through Jessica Jones. And Iron Fist was a complete and utter travesty. But Daredevil, Punisher, and the first half of Luke Cage, great, 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 great. But just back to the central point on the TV side, DC is owning it over Marvel. I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna get a W to, to DC over Marvel in terms of their TV shows because um, DC is DC is you know they're, they're killing it. They had they had the Young Justice thing going. They had um, of course their live action stuff. Uh, so yeah. Uh, just with the movie side, it's, it's starting to catch up. The movie side is, is getting in order. And I, I think DC's future is very, very bright. Mm -hmm. Marvel's future, of course, is super bright. I mean, it's, they, 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 they snatching up A-list actors left and right. I, yeah. I cannot wait to see what Mahershala Ali looks like in Blade. That is going to be phenomenal. That is going to be phenomenal. Yes. I, I can't wait. I, man, oh, man, oh, man. 
in the, in the uh, especially if they take, especially if they um they take to the guns and make it rated R. You know, they probably won't um because it is the MCU. What I don't know. There are talks about being a rated R Punisher. There, you know? there are talks, but I will say, Marvel can't do anything with the Punisher at least until twenty twenty two. From what from from what I understand. Because Netflix locked them in that deal. Mm-hmm. They can't do anything with Daredevil, Luke Cage, The Punisher, or Jessica Jones, or Iron Fist until I think it was like a two to five year deal. They can't do anything with them. So honestly, right now, I don't I don't even think Marvel is thinking about Punisher right now. I will say this, just 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 to touch on this. You can make a gritty blade film without Making it rated R, and what and, and what I say, and, and when I say that, what I'm saying is, to, to to people that are listening, I understand that, um, you know, Blade is not Spider Man, he's not Captain America, he's a very dark character, he's a mm-hmm. gritty character. That doesn't mean you have to make his movie rated R. You don't have to. You can make a quality Blade film and not have it rated R, because let's not forget. Um, even in the original Blade films, when he would stake the vampires, they they would just turn into animated ash. We're not talking about a bunch of blood organs and gore flying all over the place. No, he would stake them; they would burn and turn into ash. That's, I mean, that's not rated R violence. That's like PG thirteen violence. You can yeah. still do that. I and you can still make a good movie with Blade and and make it rated PG thirteen. You you can still do it. You just have to. Number one, you have to have a good writer. You have to have a good production team. Mm-hmm. You already have a good actor. So, like, some of your battle, some of your battle, not all of it, some of your battle is won because you got Mahershala Ali in the role. Get a good director, get a good production team, and you get a good script. Focus on Blade as a character, developing him as a character. You have that good story. And then, you know, you 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 know, in my in my opinion, and and I and no doubt I I believe you agree with me. You you have a good character, and you focus on that story, and then you focus on everything else after those two things. Mm-hmm. You set, you set. As long as you have a good character, you have a good story. You can put some blood in there. You you. I mean, they are vampires. I mean, right, let's be serious. I mean, Morbius <laughs> is going to be rated PG thirteen. Yeah, Morbius ain't gonna be and Morbius is a, it, he is a vampire. He needs to feed on humans, and they're gonna rate that um PG. And I don't know if the movie's gonna be good, but I mean, you know, the fact that I, yeah. I just you know the point is he's Jimmy Little. No, he's ahead of this. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know Ryan Reynolds, he's in quarantine, but they've been talking to him. Deadpool is coming back, so um I don't know what they're gonna do with him because now I will. While I say you can make a PG thirteen Blade film, you can't. You can't make a PG thirteen Deadpool. I don't. I. I, just, I don't know how you can do that. Like the only thing I can think of that they can do, if you want to, like the tame, like the absolute tamest you can do, is like maybe, like you, you. You can just have him pop up in other Marvel movies here and there. That's the only thing I can. But, he, but if, if you give him his own movie, yeah. you can't rate it PG thirteen. You can't. Nah. He's just too out of control. But other than that, Marvel's future is bright. DC's future is bright. Um, both of them have bright futures, so long as they, you know, 
they stay on their individual paths. DC, keep doing what you're doing. Focus on a movie at a time. Just do one movie at a time. Uh, Marvel, they already have their plan in place. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you stick with your, you stick to the script. You keep doing what you're doing. You have your, Kevin Feige has been doing this by five-year plans. You have your, you have your movies planned out for the next five years. So you focus on those. And another thing that I like about Kevin Feige, he does not let these fans deter mm-hmm. him from the plan. Yeah. Because as soon as they got that 20th century deal, oh man, <laughs> oh Lord, every single online, every single uh, news and comic book news website, oh man, but this X-Men character is going to pop up. How are they going to introduce the X-Men or the Fantastic Four? And Kevin Feige sitting back and, and what I love, when they interviewed Kevin Feige, he said, we have those characters now. We have them. And the beautiful, he said, the beautiful thing is we have them. We're not in a rush to bring them in yet. They're not a part of the plan. Yet. Yeah. It's just cool that we have them. So we get so now Kevin Feige, he he's sitting back and he's taking his time. And he was and he's like, all right, well, this five-year plan doesn't include them yet. The the next five-year plan might. So it, it was, I don't think he's lying. I know. No, okay, yeah. Now, do, do I believe? Do, do I believe he had like potential ideas? I do, but also Kevin Kevin Feige's smart. He also yeah. realizes legally he couldn't speak to anybody about those characters until everything was signed off. Do I believe he had a plan? I do. He's the king of contingency plans. So yeah. while I while I think he had his five year plan that didn't include him, I think that he also had another five year plan that did include them. Mm-hmm. And these characters here and there. And now that he does have them, he can take this five-year plan and put that to the side and bring this other one in that does include these characters here and there. The bottom line is he doesn't let the fans or anybody else, for that matter, mm-hmm. him, him. Mm-hmm. persuade him or deter him from his vision. And I kind of felt like DC kind of wavered a little bit on that, but they, they, they've they built their resolve. Yeah. Because, like, that's one thing I, I always hated when with um people okay i get it you know you should listen to your fans when not but we're sure they should, yeah. yeah you know but sometimes the fans do not know what they want that's very true you know like fans are just speaking from what they um feel like they 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 want and know you know like they don't know like sometimes their ideas and visions don't translate well on screen mm-hmm. you know and like we talk about screen and versus paper or even animation, it's a lot different, you know. Like you, you had to take into a lot, a lot of um, considerations, you know, about looks, story elements, character elements, and whatnot. And sometimes, you know, even even actors, you know, and there's a lot of things that goes on that they don't understand. Yeah, you know. And I hate it when studios fold. And came in to these ridiculous demands and, you know, uh, uh, rage, rage fits, you know. But I feel like as a studio or director, if you feel like your your product is is good and you know they're going to like it, stick to your guns. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you, I feel like only people who are unsure about what they have mm-hmm. came in. Yeah, you know. because, and, 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 and and one one example to that, I 
this is a controversial subject, mm -hmm. but it's big in the superhero world. When they change the race of a character, mm -hmm. this is big in the superhero world. So um, when Idris Elba was cast as Heimdall, and everybody lost their lost their minds. He's a Norse god. Heimdall's white. Why? And no, Kenneth Branagh was like, no. He's Heimdall. This is a Marvel movie. I cast him. I'm sticking to my guns. And then what happened? The movie came out, and he became a crowd favorite. People loved it just as Heimdall. I mean, he was a small little secondary character, but people mm -hmm. still loved him. And um, the situation with Commissioner Gordon. Casting Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon in the upcoming Batman movie. First of all, Jeffrey Wright is a phenomenal actor. He is a phenomenal actor. And anybody, anybody who has a problem with Jeffrey Wright being cast as Commissioner Gordon, I give you the task. Look at that man's filmography and give me one reason why he can't play Commissioner Gordon. Go to the comics and show me where in the comics, show me where in the comics it is a requirement that Jim Gordon be a white man. Show me. Show me where there is a there is a particular piece of his characterization that requires him to be white. And I'll shut up forever. Mm -hmm. But there isn't because there's nothing in the comics that requires him to be a white man. Jeffrey Wright is one of the greatest actors of our time. And the fact that he got cast as Commissioner Gordon is amazing. And. I look forward to seeing him as Commissioner Gordon. And then there was um, my final one. Because I, I did want I did want to talk to you. I, I, did, I did want to get your, your opinions about Since we're talking about Marvel and DC. Um, mm -hmm. There was the story going around. There is, no, there is no validity to it, by the way. Nobody has backed this up. Nothing has been confirmed. And there have been no talks. But a story popped up. I said like last year. Um, that was talking about Denzel Washington as Magneto. Mm -hmm. And so I remember looking at this YouTube video, and I forget the name of the YouTuber. Um, mm -hmm. but he was he was he, he was talking about it. he was like Denzel is a phenomenal actor and he's great. And if Magneto was originally black. I would love the idea. So automatically, you just shut the idea down because it's different. Mm -hmm. See, my whole thing about changing the race, I don't mind it if it makes sense. Yeah. See, changing Magneto's race makes sense mm -hmm. because you can't make him an Auschwitz survivor. Yeah. And and place him in our timeline anymore. Like the youngest Auschwitz survivor would be in their 90s now. So you can't, you, you can't make him an Auschwitz survivor. You have to change his backstory in order to make him fit mm -hmm. in, in, to, in, in, in today's society. So the question becomes, you have to give him a backstory where he sees the absolute worst of humanity. He sees the worst of humanity to the point where he, he hates and detests humans. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to put that in his backstory. That is that is that is key to Magneto's characterization. Yeah. So now the question becomes, well, what else in human history do we know of where we saw the worst of humanity? And it was like, oh, yeah, the civil rights movement. And then comes it. And, 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 I, and, and I tell you, I tell you, um, 
for anybody who has any, and, and I'm going to end it here. For anybody who has any doubts that Denzel would not play a great Magneto, I implore you. I implore you. Would the, the character of William Stryker is first introduced in uh William Stryker is and, and I'm and I'm gonna look this up to make sure I get this name right. Um because it is it is an X-Men story. It's one of my favorite X-Men stories, as a matter of fact. And I am hoping that uh the MCU has the balls mm-hmm. to do this story. Um let me see. Yes. William Stryker is first introduced in the X-Men story arc, God Loves, Man Kills. And in the beginning of the story, there are two children. There are two children that are, that are running at It's nighttime, and they're running in the night. And they're being chased by this uh, group of mercenaries. And the mercenaries kill both of them. It's a brother and sister. Small children. They kill the children, and then they string them up by the chains of a swing at a play party in order to crucify them because the children were mutants. Now they were hoping that the public would find the children first. Magneto finds the children first. Using his powers, he uncoils the chains. And while this is a comic book, you can see the rage on Magneto's face. You can see the pure emotion and rage on Magneto's face as he is gently taking these children's bodies and putting them on the ground and giving them a proper burial. Tell me an act. T- tell me Denzel won't be able to convey that type of emotion. Tell me Denzel wouldn't be able to convey that type of rage when when mm-hmm. you see two children crucified just because they're mutants, mm-hmm. and then he unhooks the chains using his abilities and gives them a proper burial because they're going up because they're going up uh, against William Stryker and and the uh, purifiers in the storyline. He would be a phenomenal. You would, and also to um, give even uh, more reasons why he would be a good fit, because originally Magneto was inspired by Malcolm X, and who played Malcolm, Malcolm X? Denzel <laughs> played Malcolm X. So I mean, yeah, yeah. it's just a full circle. Yeah, you know? it, it would it, 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 it would be great. But like I said, there, there's there's no validity to it. There, there to my knowledge, I don't. know. I mean, nine times out of ten years, there are X-Men talks behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But none of that has been made public. So nobody knows what they plan on doing. But but if they do, if they are considering it, that'd be amazing yes. to have him as Magneto. That'd be amazing. I'd be, I'd be all for it, you know? Because, um, like, I've, I even stated well, that argument uh, once before with uh, Theo and whatnot, you know? Uh, it was, like, on, on a Facebook post whatnot, you know? I I stated that like yeah like uh McNeil was based off of Mac, uh, Malcolm X you know like so ideally like what what's wrong with making McNeil black I mean, he's based he's based off of a black guy mm-hmm. you know and yeah. I said I, I said I said before making him a Holocaust survivor makes no sense right now because you know, as we know the Marvel universe is always follows. All uh, year and days, whatnot, you know. And by the way, to those listening, for the first X Men movie with Ian McKellen as uh, uh, as Magneto, I do want to I do want to let y'all know they were pushing it in terms mm-hmm. of making him a Holocaust survivor. It, it, it by the fringes, literally by, by the fringes, they were able to get away with that one. Yeah, because Ian Mc because Ian McKellen being a Holocaust survivor, that movie took place in two thousand. Yep. Um, 
they j- just barely, by the skin of their teeth, were they able to get away with it then. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they could get away with it now. So I just wanted to, 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 to fans of the original comic series, I love Magneto's story. Magneto is an amazing comic book character. But you cannot, and I can't stress this enough, you cannot make him a Holocaust Auschwitz survivor and put him in the MCU today. Mm-hmm. It will not work. And for those that and, 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 and for those that wanna um that want, oh well, you can give him anti-aging or something like that. How is that? <laughs> okay, so 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 basically you want to change him in order to keep him white. Give him a power he's never had to keep him white. Yeah. As opposed to just give him a slightly different story. backstory that mm-hmm. fits with his characterization. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah, like. But um, in all in all, I, w- I, w- I would definitely love, I mean, considering if there's no real truth or facts behind that story, you know, I, w- I, w- I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see it. Yeah. I would love to see it. And I'm um, I'm also looking forward, you know, seeing what DC has to do in the future because mm-hmm. I've I've always always been a DC fan, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, I love Marvel going on too, but I've always been a DC guy, yeah. you know. And the last few years, well, outside of the Nolan universe, Marvel has been kicking DC's butt. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, but I will. I mean, I do believe that DC. Is moving towards a better future. I'm looking like I'm. I'm excited to see what you know, they they put out. You know, I, I agree. And their animated universe is great. I can't recommend. Dark, oh yes, I cannot recommend Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War enough. That movie was great. And I feel like um, their animated movie has always always been been top notch. Not always. Mm-hmm. Killing Joke was trash, but but other than that, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, more often than not. <laughs> more often than not, yeah. More often than not, yeah. You know. But, so I guess we're in it, uh, in it here. Uh, like, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast again. It was a pleasure you know, to be here. Like, you know, talking what we always talk. <laughs> Movies uh, and such. Uh, but, for y'all's uh, listening, Listening at home, you know, during this uh, corona pandemic, uh, let us know what your thoughts on 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 Marvel DC. Are y'all looking forward to uh, both of the movies coming moving forward? And um, what your thoughts are? You know, do you think DC is gonna uh, be able to reach that Marvel plateau, and will Marvel be able to? Uh, move on to new heights as well, you know. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and give give it a share too, you know. And also, you can go and follow my other channel, Dream Cloud Films. You know, we we put we put up different short films and productions over over, over there on the channel. And I know him doesn't have no social media accounts, um, but I do. You know, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, on James H. Three Films. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the same name. 
and I try to keep it simple, you know. <laughs> and you also can find Fib Nerds on Facebook as well and Twitter. You know, go uh, follow those, those accounts. Uh, hit me up. Uh, let us uh, let me know if there's any type of topics, movies you want want us to cover and talk about. We all for it. Uh, but till then, stay safe and keep on practicing your social distancing. Even though they're trying to, well, they open up, they open up the country soon. But just be smart, you know, still yeah. stay safe. Just because everything's open doesn't mean that the virus has gone away. Of course, you know. Of course, <laughs> I got two masks in my car. Yeah, yeah. I need to put one. I need to put one in mine too. I keep forgetting. Yeah. You know. I lost the one that the team just gave us. Mine's mine is somewhere. I don't. No way. I, I lost that one, but I have two others, so it's just fine. <laughs> I don't know what he got. Yes. Yeah, I try to. I try. I don't, I don't know. I, I try to ask Kevin for one. Uh, I, I don't think he understood or didn't have none because he gave me his, he gave me his keys. You know, I'm like, uh, how would he give you his keys? Yeah, <laughs> he gave me his keys. I'm in, I'm in the office, and what I. What are keys for? All right, I was looking around like I didn't see anything that stood out, you know. I didn't want to go rummaging through the desk and like, I'm not gonna rummage through the desk. <laughs> you know, I just, no, I peeked in the info box and didn't see anything. I'm like, okay, you know, I guess they don't have done, you know. But, but you know, until then, we see you next time. And peace.